Hello and welcome to our podcast, Geeks, We Are Your Fathers. We're three proud geek dads and we're here to talk all things technology, gaming, science fiction and more. This episode is a special Star Wars Day edition. May the 4th be with you. Hello and welcome to episode 3 of Geeks, We Are Your Fathers. I'm Robbie, the Padawan, and I'm here once again with the Jedi Masters of Geekiness, Obi-Wan Dave and Pete Skywalker. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> I had to sneak in with my microphone a little bit of Starfader there. Did it? How did that sound? That was wonderful, Pete. So, we've reached the greatest day of the year. It's Star Wars <laughs> Day. May the 4th be with you all. So, guys, how are you both going to be celebrating? Well, for me, the... Um... I was so happy. I mean, it happened. It was twenty years ago, but when Lego started coming out with Star Wars sets, oh. I cannot tell you how happy that made me back then. And now I've got a little boy. Uh, we're going to be able to dig out some Star Wars stuff and start making. Henry makes Star Wars stuff all the time anyway. He's just sitting there making up spaceships and all sorts. Um, and as a as a as a geek, as a purist, you sit there and go, "No, it's not meant to look like that." But you know, give the boy a break. He's he's nine years old. But. Um, <laughs> Yes, I mean it's got to be Lego. It's got to be Lego. I was so so happy when that got released. Are you going to do like a pimped up Millennium Falcon then? You're going to like get it get oh. uh, some of your uh, um, was it play, the the Playmobil Lego type stuff and stuff? Oh, good lord! <laughs> well, I mean it it's really <laughs> there was I, I never I was never quite brave enough to spring for any of those really big sets. Although Henry only last week brought me. Uh, a Lego catalogue and said, "Hey, Daddy, can I have that one? You know, Seven hundred pounds <laughs> worth of Star Destroyer." It's like, yeah, if we had somewhere for it to go. <laughs> wow, I mean, they're not cheap, are they? I mean, I know it's like five hundred quid, isn't it, for a Death Star or something like that? It's, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. they're not cheap, but I mean, and the thing is, once you built it, I mean, you wouldn't want to dismantle it. Where would you keep the thing, right? It's well, that's right. I'm surrounded by Lego models at the minute that I've built. They're everywhere. A lot of them are Harry Potter ones, in fairness, because that's what my kids are into. They're not interested in Star Wars. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I remember looking at the Millennium Falcon and I was thinking, oh, that would be good. And then I looked at the price tag and it was 650 quid. Yeah. I thought, how do you justify that? Yeah. I've not quite, managed to a... get it into anything yet. Pull it just, you know, under yeah. the radar. <laughs> it's a big thing to slope under the radar. Wedding um, costs. I could go in there. <laughs> they do a, a big um, Jawa Sandcrawler kit that I remember seeing when we went to Legoland with, with my little boy. So it was some years ago. But it, this kit is epic. It's the size of your TV, and you open it up, and there's tons of stuff going on in there. From a geeky point of view, wanting to build it, because I'm a bit of a Lego kid as well, just wanting to build it, I'd want to have a go. And then I'd. But the thing is, the, the problem I had, I found this out very quickly. My little boy, he's taken after me, he's good with his hands, he likes Lego and stuff like that. So when he came along, I thought, great, as a dad, I can be a Lego dad. And a few years ago, I was lucky enough to buy a fairly decent kit for him. I think it was the um, Space Shuttle. And there was me sitting there rubbing my hands. Great, I'm going to be able to start making this Lego. And it turns out the only help that I need to provide my son with Lego is, Daddy, I can't find a piece. (laughs) Or, Daddy, can you take these two bits together because I've put them together wrong. That's it. That's the sole involvement I have with Lego because... My little boy, he just runs off with it. He can. He's doing 12, 15 plus Lego just because he's got that kind of brain. Um, and it means that if I actually want Lego for myself, I have to go and buy it for myself <laughs> and tell him not to 
to to look at it. I'm looking up right now. I've got a um, Beatles Yellow Submarine kit oh, nice. uh, next to my desk, um, and uh, and that's very much Daddy's. That's that's nobody else's. That's mine. <laughs> I've got a DeLorean actually, a Back to the Future DeLorean in Lego, which is oh, I love that kit dust, very much so on my uh, on my thing here. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, that's one thing. I built it once. I wouldn't take it apart now, right? Say, <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, or let anybody anywhere near it. Yeah, so, yeah. I've already lost Martin McFly somewhere. I don't know who he's just to. He's obviously kicking around the office, but Doc's gone back to the future. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. very good, oh, very good. There we go. Yes, I'll probably find him a week next Tuesday. But um, yeah, uh, but yeah, that, that, I I love a bit of Lego too. I mean, I feel, I found some of my old Lego the other day actually, and the kids were playing stuff. But it's a great thing you don't know what is like Lego from the seventies and what's Lego from today. It all looks the same, right? Apart all from works. The fact that I've got, <laughs> it all works, but apart from the fact that I know most of my old stuff's got teeth marks in it from trying to get the police. <laughs> <Yes>. right? <laughs> yes, yeah, I mean, I've got I've got Lego that's older than me, and that's pretty old, um, and belonged to my brother, and it's now in Henry's kit, and he puts it together. It fits perfectly with the brand new stuff. You wouldn't even know, like you say, except for maybe the odd dink or dent, maybe the odd tooth mark, but apart from that, it, it all still works. There's, I can't think of many other toys that do that. But there are definitely a lot more parts now than there used to be. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. Um, my, my Lego back in the day was just those standard bricks that you would put together and it would yep. kind of resemble something. Now there's specialist bricks for everything. Not that I'm complaining because yeah. it does look good. It yeah. does look good. We used to have Lego, um, these used to be the space Lego stuff actually. Dave, you might remember this. this was oh, I loved that. Oh, yeah, 80s, I had some yeah. of that. Yeah. I mean, this was before like the franchises like you know the, the Harry Potters and the Star Wars and all that got involved. But yeah, the space Lego was amazing. And uh, I've still got, let's say, that, that today with the little helmets and... Um, yep. laser guns and uh, and it's great but I mean obviously I've no idea where any of the instructions are to build some <laughs> of the things but uh, oh, no 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 the, the instructions are long since history yeah uh, but uh, but then you had the you had that 80s space stuff and then if you go and see the Lego movie and they've got the Lego the 80s spaceman uh, Benny the spaceman it just that film made me giggle you know it, it's it just worked it worked for the parents of my age going i had one of those absolutely worked perfectly there you go oh, well so i guess for me then the star wars day again yeah super excited like you guys i mean in the past i've kind of sat and watched a few star wars episodes or you know um movies with the with the kids and the wife and uh but I tell you, what, if I had, uh, if we could go to back to Florida right now, and we were back there in the summer, and they opened or were just about to open, and we missed it unfortunately. But the opening of the new Galaxy Edge ride, which yeah. is a Millennium Falcon, oh man, that looks amazing! And I would just to have loved to have gone on that, and it just looks like an incredible set as well. When you look at some of the pictures they've taken, and you could literally be in that landing bay there with the Millennium Falcon. And I guess when you go inside, it must be one of these 4D experiences. I've, I've, I haven't even actually seen any of the footage of it running, but I think it's one of these 4D experiences. But wow, uh, I just really love to go there now. But they've got all that uh, Star Wars stuff going on anyway. With um, they're constantly having every hour, I think it is. They've got like the parades going on with all the stormtroopers yeah. marching up and yeah. down, and yeah. laser fights and and. Um, you know, it's just incredible. Uh, and it's just so magical. The Disney guys did it so, so well. But yeah, I definitely want to get back there as soon as possible. So yeah, if I could get on a plane right now, I would go there. But uh, yeah, I think we'll just end up watching some movies and um, just chilling out, really. But yeah, it's. Uh, I guess it's only been the most sort of last few years, really, that Star Wars Day's kind of appeared, isn't it? 
it's it's something that we never really used to have but yeah it's uh, it's great it's spread through it. social media hasn't it like wildfire it definitely was yeah. around people would still kind of talked about it but just not on the scale that it is today yeah but yeah it's funny it's you been... talk about disney i mean i i really want to go back because when i was originally there i mean i haven't been over to florida since my late teens and now you've got all the marvel stuff there and you've got all the star wars stuff there i just i think i want to go back more for me than for the kids yeah, they've got some amazing <laughs> merchandise as well. You can get so much merchandise over there in the oh, shops yeah. and stuff. But yeah, it's great. We we went to Disneyland Paris earlier this year. It was about a, about a month before lockdown, and there was I was even a little bit nervous about whether or not we were going to be allowed to go at the time. But uh, we managed to get there and, and come back. We drove down, and and the more and more I think about the whole experience not just the star wars bit of it we did the star wars and henry and i got a picture with with chewbacca and it's one of our favorite pictures of the whole trip it was yeah. just it was brilliant it he was great but just the whole thing even if you go beyond the star wars part of it and you go to to disneyland and i can only imagine what the american ones are like the attention to detail the more i think about it having come back the more impressed i am about it and the more i want to go back there Oh, the sets are incredible. I mean, I, we did our pictures too with Chewbacca and Kylo Ren, and uh, it's just it's, it's so surreal, isn't it, to stand there with these characters, and they're so realistic. It's, it's mm. unbelievable. It's really them, Pete. It's actually yeah. They'll, they'll, sign, <laughs> they'll sign your autograph book. They'll do it all. But uh, and even actually the the stunt doubles and that you know they, they've got um, Ray and they actually look like the actual actors. They're, they're, they're yeah, they're so, really good. They it is impressive. Them. Oh, it is impressive across the sewer, but but yeah, it, it is a magical experience, and they'll just continue to build that out. I mean, I'm just hoping at some point, um, when we're in um, the Universal Studios, they've got all the Harry Potter stuff, and you can go in Diagon Alley and and Hogsmeade and that. I just hope at some point they get to the in Disney where they build a whole Star Wars land out of this stuff, so you can wander there and that explore cool. all the different places. It would be absolutely incredible. They were talking about it before, weren't they? In the in the one in Florida, I'm sure I'd seen that they had planned it in before. But yeah, it would be really good if they do yeah. that. Let's hope so. You're listening, Disney. That's what we want. Yeah. I, mean, I think I'll, I'll be doing a mixture of what the same as what you two have both been saying. I mean, I, I was looking at Amazon this morning for what Lego shall I buy because it seems a good excuse as, as any to, to get a new piece to, to make. Um, and then, yeah, I think you've got to watch the films anyway on, on May the 4th. So I might. it's a hard one because really you want to watch them in chronological order but then that also means you have to watch episode one to start with so <laughs> I suppose it gets out of the way I, I, Right, I know we're not doing the, the, the controversy section until a bit later <laughs> but I'm going to say something I don't think The Phantom Menace was quite as bad as people make out it was I don't think it's as bad but I think when you compare it to the rest it's still not quite on the same level Alright, no, I'll give you that. And I'll to be honest, that. for me it was a strange one because that was I was at that age, that was it came out in what, ninety nine? Yes. And that was the year before I started secondary school. So that and I was in America at the time when it came out and it was all so big and so grand and I was looking forward to it. And I watched it and I thought, Yeah, this is great and then I watched the others and thought, Wow, that was bad. <laughs> it just well, made it I'm glad I watched it first because I watched it with a clean slate it was the first one that I'd ever watched because I was that young but yeah looking back on it it definitely I mean just Jar Jar Binks do you need to say any more well, right, I'm not saying terrible. it's perfect but it's not as bad as some people make out so you talking Robbie about queuing up I mean I remember in 1977 my dad taking me to see Star Wars at yeah. the ABC in Reading 
Right, and I remember being yeah blown away by that that movie at the time. I mean, the sound was probably awful compared to that. I mean, it's probably you know, two tiddy little speakers at the front of the theatre, and you know the technology they have today is so much better. But you know, being a five year old and seeing that in the cinema was absolutely incredible experience, and I still remember that uh, even all these years later. And I'm I'm sure Dave that you probably saw it in the cinema as well, whether you remember that or not. But it's uh, yeah was magical times uh, that was a real new thing that nobody had ever nobody really knew that this is going to be as big as it was today not even no, the actors no. i think they took deals uh, and they actually took merchandise deals didn't they which was a big bonus for them in the end yeah it got millions of dollars I, mean, I, I, I remember reading somewhere but proper geeks will, will forgive uh, forgive me if i get this wrong but i remember reading something about the fact that sir alec guinness was was really dismissive of this this little space movie he was in um, I don't think he was quite prepared for the full reality of what would happen. I don't think yeah. anybody in their wildest dreams could imagine no. how big it's no. got, to be honest. Now, yeah. the interesting... It was filmed here in the UK, though, right? A lot of it was filmed here in Pirate oh, yeah. Studios. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. So that, that was an, another incredible thing for the British film industry. And in fact, I yeah. know that even the newer ones, some of them, they filmed up at Greenham Common. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, where they used to have the, the military base. Um, yeah. And oh, yeah. It, it's still amazing that they kept that, you know, back to what they used to do back in the early days when they were filming the Star Wars films, they kept that kind of nostalgia value and kept it here yeah. in the UK. And do you know anyone that worked on the films? No. I know, I think, yeah, I do know somebody who did who did some, some of the stunts, um, who, in fact, I think they, they they ride horses. I can't remember what they were actually doing because there's no horses in it, but they did something. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Um, hmm. That's cool. He, here's a super geeky little aside. Um, I was watching... Netflix the other night after the kids had gone to bed and of course we can't go out so you've got to watch something on TV uh, we were cruising on I can't remember if it's Amazon Prime or Netflix and we were looking through and there was a, a documentary called Super Marionation which was the history of Jerry Anderson's oh, science nice. fiction uh, series the ones all done with the dolls so Thunderbirds and Captain <laughs> Scarlet and Joe Knight and all the others and it was, it was really interesting because that was filmed near here now bear in mind I live about two miles from Pinewood Studios in the, the, the northern part of the village I live in. Um, and so it's very local for me. Jerry Anderson had his set up originally in Slough, which is only about four miles from me. So this is very much kind of a homegrown technology. But all of the stuff, we were watching this documentary about how the guys from the Jerry Anderson organisation were doing all their special effects with models. And, and it's interesting that, that things like the Thunderbirds, as cheesy as some people see them now... They laid the groundwork for some of this miniature stuff that got, was going on in Star Wars, or the, the fact that they'd made these models and they were blowing them up and filming them. If it hadn't been for people like Jerry Anderson doing that kind of stuff in the 60s, would Star Wars have looked so good in the 70s? Wow. I would never see yeah, a bad word said about well. Thunderbirds anyway. I absolutely <laughs> loved Thunderbirds as a kid. I, had yes. to, I, I think only a few years ago, I eventually had to give up on my Tracy Island and give it away to a younger relative but they're, yeah they're, I used to absolutely love Thunderbirds yeah totally absolutely that, totally yeah, those special effects that they did for the original Star Wars I mean you watch those movies today and you still can't really tell that they're models right I mean they yeah. are 
as good, if not better, than CGI, I guess. Right? You know, it, it, I mean, some of the films that you watch, like you watch Empire Strikes Back and you see Luke on his tom-tom walking, you know, you can see it's a, it, he's obviously a model, maybe, you know, especially on a bigger screen with the higher definitions we've got now. But the space scenes are just amazing. You, They're brilliant. You, you, they could have done that today, I don't think, any better, right? I think that they are absolutely incredible the way they've done yeah. The technology that they that worked on and the budgets they had back then originally that were nothing compared to today. Yeah, polystyrene rocks and, and you know, we're only mm. one step on from Star Trek, aren't we? It's <laughs> polystyrene rocks and wobbly walls, but they managed to make it look so professional. And then you you fast forward to the 80s and you, you pick up some of the science fiction films in the 80s. I can't even think of some of them. But they look rubbish nowadays, and yet Star Wars has managed to keep its keep its freshness. Yeah. Well, well, that brings us on to the next part of the podcast, which is our special guest interview. And today I caught up with the Yoda of 3D printing technology, Steve Cox. Firstly, thanks for taking the time to speak to us today, Steve. Thanks, Robbie. It's great to be here, virtually. For the benefit of our listeners, can you just explain a little bit about what it is that you do? Um, I'm a, I describe myself as a 3D technologies consultant. Um, although I'm very active in and around additive manufacturing and 3D printing, it's kind of broader than that for me. It, it encompasses all kinds of other 3D technologies uh, from the design side, um, and say the scanning side of things. Um, I like to see myself as a kind of an independent financial consultant model, if you like, um, in what I do. I, I, I don't kind of represent any one company or any one brand. I'm a kind of independent person with my own views, you know, of what's you know what's good and what what's not so good. Right. So, three D printing itself as a technology is still relatively young, I suppose. Um, what subject area yeah. did you originally study and how has your career path taken you to where you are now? Um, that's a great question. I'm, I'm a mechanical engineer by passion and by training. So that was what I studied at university. And I was fortunate to go on and uh, be a mechanical engineer at Jaguar Land Rover. It was Jaguar Cars at the time, back in 1983 when I graduated. Um, but I, I went on and spent over 34 years there um, wow. as an apprentice and as, a, as an engineer so and that was a fantastically rewarding career I, I got to do many things that you know a lot of people don't get the opportunity to do you know develop some great uh, products um, and, and go off and do things like testing them in the outback of Australia and <laughs> the frozen wastes of Canada so you know that was a, a fantastic um, opportunity it was a fantastic career but in 2013, something kind of clicked inside me that said, I don't know, maybe I'd launched too many cars. Things didn't quite seem to have the same excitement anymore. So I decided to, to take a career change and, and I took my gap year, probably 30 years most later than most people take theirs. <laughs> and uh, that, that was great because it gave me the opportunity to go away and do some things I always wanted to do. And although I left with no particular career path in mind, the one thing that I was really excited about was 3D printing. We use 3D printing as rapid prototyping at Jaguar Land Rover on machines that cost 200, 300,000 pounds. To suddenly realize that you could get a machine for a couple of thousand pounds that would sit alongside your laptop and do something similar was enormously exciting for me. 
Um, so although I left with no particular career path, the one kind of guiding light that I had at the time was I need to find out more about 3D printing, I need to get a 3D printer, I need to teach myself how to 3D print and then I need to go on and do something with it. Because uh, at the end of the day I'm an engineer and you know, for, for as good as 3D printing is as a, a technology, it's not the technology ex that excites me, it's what you do with it and the applications around it that, that really interest me. So. I know some people really get hung up about the, the actual technology of the whole thing, um, you know, and that's what excites them. For me, it's, it's another tool. It's about what you do with that tool that's the most important thing. Well, on the back of that then, are there any particularly strange or different applications that people have used 3D printing for in your experience that you just never would have expected before? <laughs> that's a good question as well. That, Probably one of the strangest one occurred um, late last year, and uh, there's a guy. He's he's a food blogger. Um, he's got a, about nine hundred thousand followers on on YouTube, um, and and he just does these strange food things. And one of the things he wanted to do, he wanted to uh, create a giant chocolate orange. Um, so <laughs> one that's kind of bigger than a football, about the size of a medicine ball, and. Uh, he, he got in touch with me, so somebody put him in contact with me. I get these kind of random connections occur, which is it's fantastic in many ways, because you don't see these things coming. And you don't know what the next day will bring. Exactly, yeah. And, and he said to me, you know, could you help me out? I'm trying to make this chocolate orange. Um, and I said, yeah, I, I can see a, a work path to do that. Uh, so I, I basically designed a, a 3D chocolate orange segment in Fusion 360. Uh, the guy's name is Barry Lewis, so I kind of branded the segment, instead of it being Terry's, I branded it as Barry's, <laughs> in a very kind of similar uh, sort of uh, font to, to the one that's used on the real chocolate orange. And then I 3D printed that segment. But in that case, 3D printing was only an enabler because then I used that 3D printed segment to create a vacuum formed mold off that that is definitely what the world needs right now we all need a giant <laughs> orange to help us get through this much quicker if, if you uh, if you search on youtube you, you'll see the video because uh, basically part way through he puts my photograph up and he puts a halo around it going you know steve's a genius kind of thing so he now wants to do a giant custard cream and a giant bourbon biscuit so uh, <laughs> I've been I've been designing moulds for those. As you well. just need to now design a giant teacup for you to do the giant cup of tea to go with it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. We've seen three D printing technology hit the headlines again recently during the COVID nineteen crisis. There's a lot of distributed manufacturing projects taking place around the world that's producing PPE equipment for healthcare workers in particular. In a way, you must feel a bit like a proud father. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic to see so many people out there with 3D printers showcasing what it what it can do. Um, and it's the first time that we've really seen, I think, distributed manufacturing at scale. And that's, you know, thrown up some interesting questions. I was reading an article just today about some of the things that we've learned about uh, kind of distributed manufacturing, you know, worldwide, which is the first time it's ever really happened in, in the current crisis. But... I'm kind of by turn very proud of what 3D printing's done, but also a little bit frustrated in where we are now. Uh, my, my view is that at the current state of development, 3D printing is still not really a mass production um, 
methodology and its benefit really is in something called uh, bridge manufacturing which is basically spanning a gap between uh, when you can actually get into a more um, sustainable uh, method of manufacture and it can help you across that gap in terms of time and cost and getting all of those facilities in place. So it should really have been used I think for the first two maybe three weeks of, of this particular problem but then we should have been moving away from 3D printing into a different uh, manufacturing technology. But certainly, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of, of kind of the way 3D printing has kind of showcased what it can do in, in this crisis. And you've been working on that next step, haven't you, in terms of how we can develop into another type of manufacturing? Yeah, I mean, if I think I'm kind of frustrated a little bit in, in that people are still reliant on this 3D printing way of um, overcoming this PPE issue. Um, and that's a source of frustration to me. So as a way of trying to do something about that, I decided that I was going to take one of the designs. Um, I've had to adapt it because the design that's out there for 3D printing doesn't meet the British standard for this kind of device. So first thing I had to do was look at some modifications to it. And having done that, I then went forward and, and showed how that could be uh, injection moulded. And then um, someone I, I'm uh, in touch with picked that up, uh, ran it through some mould flow analysis and, and um, went on and completed a complete die set. So that we've actually got something now that exists as maybe a kind of open source injection moulding tool for this particular type of protective uh, device. Well, that's great. And it's been really nice to find out what you've been working on, Steve. Um, once again, thank you for your time today. It really has been appreciated. Um, where can people follow you if they'd like to find out more about what you're working on? Um, usually I'm, I'm very active on Twitter. So I'm at SteveCox3D uh, and also very active on LinkedIn. So the projects that I've mentioned, uh, particularly the injection molding one most recently, you'll find on my uh, LinkedIn feed. That's great. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. It's time now for the section of the show where we all agree to disagree. Today's topic is a serious one. It's one that's tested a fair few friendships amongst our kind over the years. So, who is your favourite Star Wars character and why? So, who's going to go first? Shall I go first? You, you can go first, first Dave. I, 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 right, okay. Now, I've thought long and hard about this, as you do as a geek, and um, I, originally I was going to say Mace Windu. Apart from anything else, because it's Samuel L. Jackson, and how can you not <laughs> vote for Samuel L. Jackson in virtually anything? So, so whether it's the Marvel movies, whether it's Star Wars, whatever it happens to be, but but there's the danger that he's a little bit kind of one-dimensional because he's in bits of it, and he's a very stereotypical kind of Jedi Master. My favourite character is Poe Dameron from the the last three sets of films. Um, I read a lot about flying, I read a lot about pilots, I read a lot about that kind of stuff, and I just love his slightly rakish, devil-may-care attitude to everything in the world, and yet he's still loyal and he does the job. It's yeah. probably a very short answer to your question, Robbie, but um, I, I've got to go with Poe. I think he's he's a 
uh, a proper Star Wars character, and you know what I mean by proper Star Wars character. He's absolutely perfect for the for the role, perfect for the the parts he plays in the films. He's just got that little bit of glint in his eye, that little bit of cheekiness. Um, Poe all the way. Cool. Go on then, Pete. So, you know, I, this is tough, right? So I originally thought about Han Solo, and I thought, no, actually, my the, the character that I really love to watch, and there's been, not in all the movies, but, but Yoda. Yoda, for me, is definitely, I think, <laughs> the character that I would go for. You know, I, he is just, you know, the, the ultimate Jedi master, isn't he? And I just... Love the scenes that he's doing the training with Luke and he's sitting on his back and Luke's jumping and somersaulting and he's just sitting there like, yeah, okay, that's all cool. And then he's like, you know, raising Luke's ship out of the water with his hand. And and then I think about what I've been watching with the Mandalorian and the child, obviously, which is some kind of Yoda species. And that always makes me smile. But yeah, I think Yoda is, and his voice just obviously just makes me laugh and he's just, his twitchy little ears and he, he's just, he's just great. And um there's some great uh, bits in the movies. I can't remember whether it's number two or three where he's doing a uh, a lightsaber fight and he's spinning around and jumping and uh, you know, doing some kind of like parkour moves over <laughs> around them. Mm-hmm. So, but he, if I'm as agile as he is, at, you know, nearly nine hundred years old. When he, you know, when I get well, I won't get to nine hundred years old, but maybe I will. There's, there's always hope. Yeah, there's always <laughs> hope. hope there is. Mm. So. Um, <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> uh, but that was very good, that, Pete. That was that very was my, good. My very bad Yoda person. So, um, so yeah, I think Yoda's got to be it for me. He's just a fantastic character, and he's just so, so cool and laid back. And I would uh, love his wisdom and his skills. And he, yeah, he's amazing. Cool. So, mine is a bit controversial in that it carries on from our conversation last week that for some reason I seem to quite like the baddies in most films which I don't know what that says about my mental state but I just cannot see past Darth Vader and again it comes back to something that wasn't even from the films but when I was when I mentioned back in 99 when I was out in Florida and the hype was building around episode one and I remember being in a huge toy shop on International Drive and there was a full life-size Star Wars figure of Darth Vader and it was doing the breathing and I was in awe, just staring at this thing like, wow, I really want this and couldn't understand why my dad wouldn't buy it for me, despite <laughs> the fact it was about $5,000. Um, but it, from that point onwards, I was just obsessed. Um, and I think the voice, as much as anything else, is just a main reason for me that it has to be number one. I just think what a character and also when you you start to to watch the films you realize that actually it's not it's not as evil as you think to start with um you know he's he's scary he's misunderstood he's a he's a misunderstood character exactly (laughs) exactly Pete but yeah I just for me he's he's got to be up there as my number one oh yeah yeah well he's he's iconic isn't it even people who don't really know anything about the Star Wars universe know who Darth Vader is. Yeah. And I would rather him in charge of the country than Donald Trump. So <laughs> controversial. <Ooh. laughs> yeah, he is an, he is a great character. I mean again James Earl Jones, wow. I mean that voice is like so yeah, it's totally. just so distinguishable when he does that and uh, I don't even know who played the the you know it was David Prowse back in the day the Green Cross Code Man here for anyone in the UK of a certain age yeah. but he he did the original series but I don't even know who does 
Darth Vader. No, I don't know who's he's the uh, the actor who plays he's him the nowadays. The actor inside, uh, yeah. So obviously, some very last chap. Um, We've let ourselves down now as geeks. We we have we have we're not true geeks, are we? <laughs> I have to hand back the t-shirt now. Yeah, Star Wars. Actually, I just remembered, my mum has got an, a Star Wars duvet cover that uh, used to be mine that she's got on a spare bed in, in her bungalow. <laughs> <coughs> and when the kids go and stay, she always puts it on for my youngest daughter, like Star Wars. So I think it was some Marks and Spencers. It's an Empire Strikes Back one. So I've got some kind of uh, yeah uh, memorabilia there. And I've also got, I found an annual, actually, you're tidying up the other day. I've got like a Star Wars Empire Strikes Back annual as well from... Um, I think it's 1980, I think, the, that, that film, isn't it? So, so I've, I've found a few bits and bobs. And uh, bubblegum trading cards as well. <laughs> I've got a few of those. And uh, I expect they probably I should get on eBay with any money, but I've got quite quite a few of those as well. But uh, I never never collected the whole set. But, um, yeah, so some of the stuff you just hang on to when you're a kid and stick in the loft. Uh, we're we're going to do a new roof at some point when all this lockdown's over and I've been trying to clear the loft out and finding all this amazing stuff. So, uh, yeah. See, my favourite Star Wars thing that I've still got is from actually when I was an adult, which I can't help the geek that I am. The um, So it was actually a few years ago on May the 4th. Um, we were filming a, an advert to go out on the YouTube channel for RS Components and I got to, to be my hero. So I got to dress up as Darth Vader and oh, go yeah. into the, the RS local um, shop and buy the things I that I needed for my Death Star. <laughs> And for anybody who's listening, you feel free to go onto YouTube and find my, my acting debut. It was sensational, and I don't know how I didn't get an Oscar. But <laughs> I've still got the full outfit, and I, I'm going to keep that forever. <laughs> was anybody in there buying stuff at the same time, Robbie? Yeah, there was stuff, yeah. There was a few yeah. guys coming in with quite puzzled looks on their faces. Um, a couple of plumbers came in looking to buy a few bits. And, yeah, I'm, I'm there in my, my full-on uh, outfit. And uh, oh. walking out with my RS box under my arm, so I love that. I do, I do the embarrassing dad thing every time I go to uh, you go to the, into the shops and you like hold your hand out and use the force to open the the, the automatic doors, <laughs> right? So my little boy does that for me. Never get yeah. <laughs> Henry always... does that for me. He jumps in front of if there's a pair of automatic doors, Henry will jump in front of them and then push his arms apart like he's opening <laughs> yeah. the door. He loves it. He's he's a little character. Is my little boy. Uh, uh, the other thing my daughter does is she'll she'll lick her palm and say I'm using the force and she'll lick her palm and put it towards your face and obviously you move backwards without her touching you you know so that's another one so all, all these classic playground things that, um, that oh, you yeah. can do but uh, but yeah that, that is my favourite and I, I don't know I just find myself doing it automatically walking up to a uh, an automatic door and putting my hand up to open the doors. <laughs> so, uh, and of course it's good hygiene not to be touching the doors so well done absolutely Pete. absolutely hey. So, so, so that brings us on to the final section of the show already as we put forward our nominations for Geek of the Week. Now, as we are on our Star Wars special, let's make sure we've got a bit of a Star Wars theme to these nominations. So I'm happy to go first on this one. Um, go for my, it. my nomination, and he's, he's, had, a, he's had an honourable mention in a previous episode, um, is YouTuber Colin Furs. So... He actually built, in 2017, a full-size TIE Fighter. Um, he was sponsored by eBay to do it, but it is absolutely incredible. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah. he, yeah, he, he built it all from a, a model of the toy, and he used the toy to then decide exactly what had to go where, and he just blew it up to be huge and created the whole thing. 
and he put it on public display at uh, Burley House in Stamford, which is just about 10 miles from where I am. And yeah, it was absolutely unbelievable. It, it's one of those things where it's the nearest you come as an adult to feeling like a child again. <laughs> I also love the uh, land speeder he did. It's part of the same series, wasn't it? Yes. So he, oh, yeah. he made a land speeder out of a golf cart and, and the video, well, apart from the fact that he's awesome and he's made this thing out of a golf cart, but the video in which he shows it off just makes me laugh out loud. He's brilliant at it. He is so good. I mean, at the minute, I think he's, his YouTube channel is on 9.9 million subscribers. Mm. He's just waiting to tip it over to 10 million. And the video that he'll produce, once he does that, will be worth it because he is he's so good. I mean, the, the things that he does, I, I, his mind must be a very scary place at times. Oh, yeah. But it's so impressive. I mean, he's got everything from his underground bunker to... Um, he, he just recently built a coronavirus isolation pod and with everything that you would need inside it that you could put up in a crane so you really are on your own in the middle of a field. And it, it just and everything. He even had a shower, didn't he, and everything. Yeah, amazing. he had a shower, he had a, he had a toilet, he had everything. Wow. He had a fridge, he had a little microwave built in that also had Pac-Man built into the front of the microwave so you could play while you were cooking your food. But yeah, it, it's it's so clever. And I think as well, it, it gets a lot of kids into understanding how things work which let's face it that's how a lot of us started out so it's it's also really good from that point of view yeah okay can't disagree uh, with that yeah yeah that's a good shout uh, so for me i uh i guess for me actually i'm thinking about uh, the mandalorian again which i'm really into and i love at the moment and so john john favreau actually directs that uh, i suddenly clocked not only recently that he obviously plays happy in the in the Marvel movies, right? So, and he actually directs. He's directed quite a few movies that I didn't realise uh, he was behind. So, uh, including, um, I think, uh, well, Daredevil, which is not a great movie, to be fair. <laughs> Don't get but, me started um, on Ben Affleck again. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we've we covered this we, already. Haven't we? we we won't go there again. We won't be there again. But um, actually, that uh, Cowboys and Aliens was a great movie. He, that was another one of his. If you ever seen that, that's got uh, James Bond in it. Old. Uh, um, What's his name? God, I've forgotten his name already. The current James, James Bond. Bond. Oh, Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig, blimey, yes. So he, uh, he, he, that's a great film. And it's basically set in the West and in, uh, in the Wild West. And this spaceship comes in and, and invades. And that's just incredible. But anyway, so I think John Favreau for me is great because he's he's obviously transferred from the silver screen and he's, he's behind the camera and directing. And, Wasn't he in Friends uh, as well originally? I'm sure he played, do you know a, what? he played a UFC fighter in Friends. Oh, he did? No, he and did, again, yeah. I know that because my niece now is an absolute friends addict at the age of 11. And it's all coming <laughs> back round again, so I've been using that as an excuse to watch it. And it's, uh, oh, yeah. I'm talking of Star Wars, I mean, there was a great Friends episode, wasn't there, with the gold bikini and um, and Chandler. Do you remember that? Where You don't remember that, this? I do vaguely remember it, yes. I mean, I, I kinda, it's a long time since I watched New Friends, but yes, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, I it's think Rachel it was, and Ross, uh, isn't it? It's... it's Rachel and Ross, yeah. But um, and obviously Ross has got this fantasy about the uh, gold bikini uh, <laughs> scene with um, Princess Leia, and then Chandler happens to mention that he can't he can't think of that because every time he thinks that he thinks of his mum in the costume. So then when yes. Rachel dresses up, all Ross can think of is Chandler's mum. Chandler's mum. It's absolutely yeah. hilarious. So, uh, but yeah, uh, there's 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 um, a few references like that, I think, in that. But I think the other one is the Big Bang Theory. There's quite a few Star Wars references in there as well. Oh, yeah, there's loads. I mean, the, the James L. Jones episode of that oh, is my favourite Big Bang that. episode ever. Oh, uh, it's yeah. so, so good. 
Oh, I don't know. Anyway, look, I'm digressing now. Look, so yes, um, let's get. So for me, John Favreau, uh, I think he's the Mandalorian is just an amazing piece of, of work that, that that he's produced there. So and directed. So yeah, for me, uh, and the crossover to the uh, the Marvel stuff as well is is just great. So yeah, for me, John Favreau. Cool. Well, for me, the um, my geek of the week with the Star Wars feel is is actually the actor Mark Hamill, the actor who played Luke Skywalker. Um, and you don't have to say anymore. He's going to win. Well, uh, well you know, I, I don't know. Well, the, the, the fact is, Luke. <laughs> sorry, sorry, don't worry. Um, he, Luke, Luke, always got a little bit of a bad rep because he's, you know, he's always compared against Han Solo. Han Solo is always the the cooler, more rakish character, and Luke's this kind of slightly annoying young boy who's who's trying to go on his journey. But if you look at Mark Hamill. Um, as, a, as an actor, not only did he play that role and has you know made made his fortune off that role, he's been a busy boy since then. But what I absolutely love about Mark Hamill is that he owns the fact that he was Luke Skywalker. You see other actors who, all right, they might have had a big role that launched them onto the international scene, but they don't want to talk about it anymore. Mark Hamill will happily talk to Star Wars fans. He is the king of Twitter. His tweets are absolutely brilliant. He shows a lot of love for Star Wars fans. He's very witty. He's very self-deprecating. He's more than happy to make fun of himself yeah. and the roles that he's played. Um, plus, the man's had a hugely successful career on TV, on film. He does loads of voiceover work. Um, and and like I say, he, he just you know he's the kind of guy that you'd actually think if you met him, he would be hugely pleasant, pleased to talk to you. Uh, shake your hand thank you for for showing interest in his work he just seems like all around like a good bloke so for me the the geek of the week with the star wars feels got to be mark hamill and you know, he, did, when, he did a great cameo actually i'm talking about the big bang, big bang. i was just about to say oh, exactly oh, the same yeah. thing Pete. and but, he got married and he married basically amy and, uh, and sheldon. sheldon didn't he and, and uh, when he yeah. turned up at howard's door looking for his lost dog called bart yeah. hamill that was brilliant well, that's <laughs> how we got the gig of marrying him yeah but absolutely absolutely and i love that and it's the same with will wheaton you know they're playing themselves uh, with their kind of very egos, yeah. but it's just absolutely brilliant and very well done but you're right about you know that's a good shout dave uh mark hamill you forget there's no way that luke skywalker can't have my vote that that's yeah. it <laughs> hey i won one yay <laughs> yeah I, I i i'll give you that i i think uh yeah he he's great and like you say you know everyone just remembers him star wars he has done some great stuff oh, outside of that but 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 ultimately yeah he it's luke skywalker is always going to be known for that and he's he played that very very well so yeah oh yeah you go on Wikipedia and you look at his uh, his filmography, the, st the stuff he's done in the movies, the amount of different things that he's done on TV. All right, like you say, a good half of them seem to be parodies or send-ups of what he used to do himself. <laughs> but, you know, I really like actors who are humble enough to be able to do that. He, he, he just he works well with fans. He just he gets what they do. And let's face it, when, when Star Wars fans or when sci science fiction fans of any kind come out, they come out in spades. You know, they, they fiercely defend their their chosen geekery. And he just seems to get it. Yeah, I know what you mean. On a related note, in fact, I think you got me into this movie, Dave. That, the movie uh, Galaxy Quest, right? I know it's not Star Wars, <laughs> but 
that yeah. that is just like that is obviously a parody based on the, the Star Trek, and then you know they're all washed up actors and going to conventions, and and then actually a, a real alien force comes along and he has to come save the day. But I, I love that, and again, you know the way they take the you know the Mickey out of these uh, these actors and stuff. But it's great. That is a great film with no one's seen it. Galaxy Quest with uh, Tim. It Allen is funny. It's Tim Allen That's and is it Sigourney Weaver? Yeah, Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, I've not seen it yet, so I might have to give that a watch. Give it, give it a watch. It's very funny, it's a, but if you like parodies, that you know that that is that is a great one. Great. So, the geek of the week this week, Mark Hamill. That wraps up the show for this week. So, thank you again for listening. As ever, uh, please make sure that you subscribe on Apple or on Spotify if you can, um, or you can check us out on Podbean. If you want to get in touch just head to designspot.com forward slash podcasts and follow the instructions there and leave us any questions that you have. So we'll see you all again same time next week. Thanks, guys. See you soon, everyone. See you soon, everyone.